This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for December 21st, 2014. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. The message is by Father Ron Baird. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's be seated. One of the things that still divides um, Catholics with Protestants in the church is the Virgin Mary. Seems to still be a lot of argument back and forth about what all that means. And so this morning I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Virgin Mary. Um, the Virgin Mary isn't something that Anglicans necessarily emphasize all the time, but it shouldn't be mistaken for the fact that we don't also think that she is very important. Um, in the first four ecumenical councils of the church, back before the church had any splits whatsoever, um, the church had gathered together, and one of the things that they declared was that Mary was Theotokos, which is Greek for God-bearer that she bore God into the world. Now that was a big fight back then, believe it or not, because a lot of people said, how in the world could a human being give birth to God, given that God created the human being? That that would be impossible. So you shouldn't call her that. You should only call her Christ-bearer. And yet, to do that would be to divide the natures of Jesus, wouldn't it? And say that, well, part of him was God and part of him was, was human, as opposed to that he was fully human and fully God. And so the church said no, that with God all things are possible. And with God it is possible for a human to give birth um, to God, as, as Mary did. So how should we view Mary? What should we do with her? Well, the church at that same time said that the church should venerate her. Now veneration is a different thing than worship, and something we need to understand. To venerate means to hold in high esteem. Um, we only owe worship to God. But we do hold Mary in very high esteem. Um, and she's not only the God-bearer into the world, but she is the mother of God and also the mother of the church. People say, why is she the mother of the church? I mean, how does that work? Well, think about it. What is the church in Scripture called? The body of Christ. And what did Mary bear into the world? The body of Christ. And so Mary, therefore, is also the mother of the church. Not just because of, of that, but more importantly because of what happens in the Annunciation that we read about today. In today's Annunciation, Mary is somewhere between, oh, 12 and 15 years old. And she's been betrothed to Joseph and will be married. And when suddenly the angel, archangel Gabriel appears to her and tells her that she will become pregnant with the child of God. Now that would be a little difficult to explain to your parents. I mean, they would have a hard time understanding that. And yet, it's even more than that. Because in those days, for Mary to say yes to this call that the angel was issuing from God would mean possibly that she would be stoned to death because that would be the penalty for adultery. And at that point, even though she wasn't officially married, she was betrothed. Her legal contract had already been entered into, and therefore it would have been considered adultery under Jewish law. And, and she would have been stoned to death by the people. So for her to say yes to God in this involves so much more than we can even imagine. I mean, think about this. Not only do you have a, a 12 to 15-year-old who's saying yes to becoming pregnant, but she's got the story to tell everybody that it's God's child. And then on top of that, 
you know, many people died in childbirth in those days. Now, and if all that weren't enough, then she could be killed if it became public. Now, that's quite a remarkable thing that she would say, yes, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. In that, Mary becomes pregnant with the word of God and bears God into the world. And she becomes the archetype for what the church is supposed to be. The perpetual yes to God. Without giving thought to consequences, without giving thought to what the price might be, to say yes always to God. Trusting, perhaps in a naive way, um, perhaps in a, in a, a knowing way, but trusting that with God all things are possible and that all things work for, to the good to them who love the Lord. And so the church is called to emulate her in that. And therefore, we hold her in high esteem, the highest of all the saints. Because even before Christ had been raised from the dead, Mary gave her yes to God. Such a fascinating thing, if you think of for someone so young. How could she possibly do that? Now, there have been lots of doctrines throughout the centuries that people want to, always want to bring up. You know, was Mary a perpetual virgin, or did she have children after Jesus? And, you know, in the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church tradition, they said, no, she was always a virgin. She never had any children. And that the children that you see there are either cousins or uh, stepchildren that she had from Joseph. In the Anglican Church, we don't really get into that. What we say is nothing can be required of anyone to be believed that's not in Scriptures. And it doesn't talk about that in the Scripture. So if you like believing that, that's okay. If you don't like believing that, that's okay too. It's not really a central point of salvation, is it? The same with, um, did Mary, was Mary immaculately conceived? Was she without sin? Um, was she a sinless person? Well, again, there's nothing in Scripture that says one way or the other about that. So if you want to believe it, that's fine. If you don't want to believe it, that's fine. Because we don't require anyone to believe anything that can be proved through Scripture. And then finally, was she bodily assumed into heaven? Which 